quiet, please. Quiet, please. I don't put up a beef, I take it. You ever been on a jury? 
Well, I guess you know how it is then. Nobody pays any attention to you. You just sit there like a lug, like everybody else. You might as well be in West Overshoe, Arkansas, uh, Arkansas, or whatever, as far as the rest of the jury is concerned. Guys hollering at witnesses and bobby socks of all ages and sexes watching the police show and hoping to hear some dirt. I get bored. Well, I did have a hangover, so I never come to till quite a while after the trial had begun. You know how a hangover is. Yeah. So I had kind of blank spaces in what I heard, you know? First, I hear the doctor saying what it was caused this guy to croak, and it was something about traumatic synthesis of the scravenies or something, and it got caused by applying a blunt instrument to the fella's noggin kind of hard, so he had the scravenies, and he's a dead pigeon. Then another fella stops up and down in front of the jury box and says, he's going to prove this dame done it. He's going to buy gravy, have her hung. If only the fine jury will cooperate. And another fellow with a red mustache, he objects. And there's a copper that says, yeah, he found the guy with his noggin bent in and yada, the yada, the yada all over the place till my noggin hurts and eh, I kind of go to sleep or something. Then I am waked up like sticking a pin in me. You know, I'm telling you about this Charlie Brooks that I used to drink at his bar. Well, who is all of a sudden sitting on the witness stand but Charlie Brooks? Listen. My name is Charles Brooks. Your occupation, Mr. Brooks. I am a bartender. And a very good one, I hear. And I pipe up and I say, he makes the best martini in town. See, I don't hold no grudges because after all, I'm a schmo and he should throw me out. Nobody even looks at me. The guy just goes right on. Did you know the deceased, Mr. Brooks? I certainly did. I see. And what sort of man was he, Mr. Brooks? Uh... I would say he was not a good man. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, he was quarrelsome. Quarrelsome? When he drank. Just like me, huh, Charlie? Did he drink at your bar often, Mr. Brooks? He used to, but I refused to serve him for several months. Just like me. But he came in the night he was murdered. Uh, I mean the night he died. He, He wasn't murdered. Move to strike that last part out, Your Honor. Strike it out. Confine your statements to answers to my questions, please, Mr. Brooks. The jury will decide if murder has been committed or not. Uh, Yes, sir. Now tell me, Mr. Brooks, did you know of any quarrels this man had with his wife? Uh, Yes, sir, I... uh... How did you know? He told me. That was one of the reasons I told him not to come back to my bar. I see. (coughs) You said you saw him the night he died. Uh, Yes, sir, he... Came in drunk and wanted to buy a drink, but I said no, and I threw him out. Personally? Uh, personally, yes, sir. It's quite impossible, isn't it, that any uh, injuries you might have inflicted on him and in throwing him out could have resulted in his death? Uh, would you repeat the question, please? Uh, let me put it this way. You don't think that you injured him badly enough to have caused his death? Mister, I kicked him. You didn't kick him in the head. No, sir. I did not kick him in the head. You would say that he was a bad, vicious, wicked man then, Mr. Brooks? I certainly would. (coughs) And that he gave others good cause to kill him? I certainly do. I mean, he did. Especially his wife. Mister, they should give her a medal. That will be all, Mr. Brooks. (laughs) 
Then here comes Charlie stepping out from the witness stand and walking across the floor past the jury box right in front of me. And I grin at him and I whispered, Hi, Charlie. How you doing? And you know what? He don't give me a tumble. But he couldn't help hearing me, but he don't even look at me. Well, all right. Next time you see me in your bar, Bud, you ain't going to see me. That's a fact. What's he think he is, a big shot because he's a witness in the court? What is this? But that ain't the only surprise I get. Charlie Brooks. There's this copper that lived next door, like I said. Dominic Gaffigan, his name is. Your name is Dominic Gaffigan? Yeah, it is. And are you a police officer? I am. You live next door to the defendant's place of residence? I do. Have you ever been in the defendant's home? I have. On what occasion, Officer Gaffigan? It was on March 18, 1947 at 7.45 p.m. I was attracted by the sound of an altercation. What kind of sound, officer? Uh, like a man beating his wife and uh, her whimpering light. Go on. Well, I put out my head from the door, and the door to the defendant's apartment was open. And I looked in, and I saw the defendant running across the room <coughs> to cry. And there was a rip in the waist of her dress, and she was bleeding at the nose. And what did you do? I entered the apartment. Go on. In the apartment, I saw the deceased, uh, who was drunk at the time, and he was shouting imprecations at the defendant. What did he say? He... <clears throat> he cursed her. Very well. And what did he do? Uh, he started across the room after her, and I stopped him. How did you stop him? I said stop. Only that? Uh, well, uh, I put my hand against his chest like. I see. And then what happened? Then the defendant turned on me and she asked me what I was doing in their apartment. Did you answer her? I did. What did you say? I said I came in to prevent murder. And what did she say to that? <coughs> she turned on me. Said she had bumped her nose on the door. And there was going to be no murder and I should go away. And did you? Well, I remonstrated with her, uh, on the face of the evidence, but she would have none of me. And then she turned and kissed her husband and said she loved him. So I came away then. I see. And it is still your impression that your arrival on the scene prevented murder. <clears throat> it is. You think he would have murdered her? I do. And have you any knowledge of other... Uh, altercations between the defendant and the deceased officer Gaffigan. I have. I stood up and I said, Gaffigan, you know you're the biggest liar on the police force. Gaffigan, you know perfectly well that what you told that fellow was what happened at my apartment pretty near a year ago. And you're trying to hang something on some poor schmo and you know that happened to me and Elsa. You're a stinker, Gaffigan. Yes, sir. I think the woman would be perfectly justified in killing the man. You see? That's a cop for you. And I hollered out again. That Gaffigan's a liar, Judge! But nobody even looked like they heard me. Only the guy that was doing the questioning. He turned around toward the jury a minute, and he looked at us. He looked at us so long, the judge leaned down and said, What's the matter, Mr. Cunningham? I'm, I'm sorry, Your Honor. 
But every time I glance at the jury box, I get the distinct impression that there's an extra juror there. Are you sure you feel all right, Mr. Cunningham? Well, I'm sorry, sir. I've been having a little trouble with my eyes lately. Well, I'm sure you're at liberty to count the jurors, Mr. Cunningham. Thank you, Your Honor. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I am sorry, Your Honor. You may proceed, Mr. Cunningham. The guy walked away, but he still looked kind of puzzled. I looked at the other jurors, and every one of them was doing what he'd done. Counting. I watched him, and they all turned back to the courtroom. They were satisfied there was only 12. I couldn't help counting, too. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. That's right. Twelve. But I didn't count myself. I'm thirteen. I make the baker's dozen. I yelled at the DA. Hey, there is thirteen of us here. Hey! He makes like I'm not there. He don't even look over his shoulder at me. I yell again. Hey! But he's talking to a woman on the witness stand. Will you state your name? Mrs. Elsa Bronson. My eyes pop out. I stand up. Hey, that's my wife. What are you doing here, Elsa? And your place of residence? 1313 North Court Street. Now, Mrs. Bronson, will you please tell the jury exactly what happened on the evening of January 13th? I was alone in the apartment. Uh, speak up, please, Mrs. Bronson. I was alone in the apartment. My husband often came home late, so I was not alarmed when it became 7 o'clock and then 8 o'clock. What were you doing, Mrs. Bronson? I was ironing. Ironing what? My husband's shirt. I see. Uh, go on. Uh, when it became 9 o'clock, I became a little bit alarmed. Why? Because... Was it because you were sure your husband was drunk somewhere? My husband does not drink so much. Was it because you were afraid that he would come home drunk and beat you up? N no. Mrs. Bronson, your husband had beaten you up before, hadn't he? No. You heard what Officer Gaffigan said, didn't you? I, I, I told him the truth. I did strike my nose on the door. You didn't strike it on your husband's fist? No. He has never struck you? Never. Mrs. Bronson, did you, uh, did you hate your husband? I loved my husband, sir. Even when he beat you? He did not beat me. I loved him and he loved me. I couldn't stand it any longer. I jumped up again. I said, listen, you, what's this here all about? What are you doing with my wife? Elsa, what are they doing to you? I loved my husband. Elsa, I love you. Well, if you loved him so much, why did you kill him? What the devil are you talking about? What is this stuff? Listen to me. I'm talking to you. You hear me? I love sure, him. Sure, she loves me and I love her. Furthermore, I'm not going to let you make a fool of her anymore. You hear me? You loved him, so you killed him. What are you talking about? And then I got the big idea. Then I all of a sudden knew why the 
I thought there was 13 of us in the jury box. And why, there was. I could see it. I heard of things like that, but I didn't believe in ghost stories or whatever they are. Only I knew something now. You know what I knew. Sure. I was dead. I was a ghost. I was sitting on the jury while they was trying my wife for murdering me. Couldn't be anything else, could it? I was dead. They said I was dead. They said Elsa murdered me. You murdered your husband, Mrs. Bronson. I was ironing. I was so tired. I was so afraid. Afraid of him? Yes. I was afraid of him. He did beat you then. Why should I lie? Believe me. He was a good husband to me sometimes. She saw me. 
come, Irving. Come home with me. I got up from my chair. And I went out the little gate in the jury box. And I walked along with her. And we went through the little fence in front and down the aisle. And Charlie Brooks got up and walked on one side of her. And Dominic Catholic and the policeman, he got up and walked on the other side of her. And we walked out. And there was another policeman with us, and I was walking behind them. And when we got out of the courtroom, it was, it was all all dark out there, and, and I felt awful. And I just got one glimpse of her as she turned her head over her shoulder. And I was walking in the dark for a long, long time. And I didn't know where I was, and and then all of a sudden it was awful bright. And I felt somebody kick at me. And there was Charlie Brooks. And if you ever come back in this place again, drunk or sober, I'll beat your brains out. You hear me? And the door closed behind him. And I was in the snow. And my head hurt worse than ever. I get up. And I walk in the snow. I stagger. I stagger a long, long way in the snow. I'm going home. That's where I'm going home. This is the house.
Quiet, Please comes to you from New York. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Following station identification, you'll hear and now. <laughs> 